Welcome to Bible Chapter Every Day. I'm Matthew. Our chapter today is Matthew chapter 9. Let's ask God to bless our time today. Heavenly Father, there is a great need, a need for your gospel, your good news to go out and to be preached, for people to have their sins forgiven, turn to you, repairing so much damage in this world. We pray that you would heal your world with your truth. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. Matthew chapter 9. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own town. And behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a stretcher. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Have courage, child, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you think evil in your thoughts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up and walk. But in order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, then he said to the paralytic, Get up, pick up your stretcher, and go to your home. And he got up and went to his home. But when the crowd saw this, they were afraid and glorified God, who had given such authority to men. And as Jesus was going away from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and said to him, Follow me. And he stood up and followed him. And it happened as he was dining in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners were coming and dining with Jesus and his disciples. And when they saw it, the Pharisees began to say to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when he heard it, he said, Those who are healthy do not have need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what it means. I want mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Then the disciples of John approached him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees often fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, The bridegroom's attendants are not able to mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them. But days are coming when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. But no one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for its patch pulls away from the garment and the tear becomes worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise the wineskins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are destroyed. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. As he was saying these things to them, behold, one of the rulers came and knelt down before him, saying, My daughter has just now died, but come, place your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus and his disciples got up and followed him. And behold, a woman who had been suffering with a hemorrhage twelve years approached from behind and touched the edge of his cloak. For she said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. But Jesus, turning around and seeing her, said, Have courage, daughter, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the disorderly crowd, he said, Go away, because the girl is not dead, but is sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd had been sent out, he entered and took her hand, and the girl got up. And this report went out into that whole region. And as Jesus was going away from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he came into the house, the blind men approached him. And Jesus said to them, 
Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be done for you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one finds out. But they went out and spread the report about him in that whole region. Now as they were going away, behold, they brought to him a demon-possessed man who was unable to speak. And after the demon had been expelled, the one who had been mute spoke, and the crowds were astonished, saying, This has never been seen before in Israel. But the Pharisees were saying, By the ruler of the demons he expels the demons. And Jesus was going around all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were weary and dejected, like sheep that did not have a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest that he send out workers into his harvest. Well, that's the reading. Let's dig in. There's many stories here, but one of the themes that I see running throughout this chapter is the compassion of Jesus. He says to that man, Have courage, child, your sins are forgiven. Then he tells the Pharisees, learn what it means. I want mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And then to that woman who'd been suffering for 12 years, he says, Have courage, daughter, your faith has healed you. So he uses the word child, the word daughter. He wants to show mercy. And then at the end it says, And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were weary and dejected like sheep that did not have a shepherd. So Jesus has compassion for these people. I see that over and over, and that's why he's healing them. He feels for their their pain. Of course, the biggest problem is their sin problem. And so this chapter starts out with him offering forgiveness to that man. And he asks, which is easier? We might think it's easier just to say, oh, well, you're forgiven. But what did it cost to forgive? You know, they were right that only God can forgive sins because all of our sins are against God. So it takes God to do the forgiving because he's the one who's been harmed by our sins. But the part that they missed is that God is holy and righteous. And how can God forgive sins in his holiness? Well, the only way he was able to do that was by taking the punishment himself, Jesus dying for our sins. So which was easier? It was much easier to heal their diseases than to heal the sin, because Jesus had to pay for that. Another thing I see in this chapter is the faith of the people being healed. Uh, it says, and when Jesus saw their faith about that, that first healing, then he forgave the sins. The man coming to ask about his daughter, it says, my daughter has just now died, but come place your hand on her and she will live. So he has faith that Jesus can heal his daughter. And the woman who'd been suffering for 12 years, Jesus said to her, your faith has healed you. He saw her faith in action as she came to touch his garment. And 
the blind men, Jesus asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. So they had faith. And he said to them, according to your faith, let it be done for you. So over and over, faith is emphasized in this chapter, the faith of those receiving the healing. And indeed, we know that faith is the condition for us to receive the forgiveness and the salvation that God wants to give us. Another thing I see in this chapter is the negative reactions. When Jesus forgave the sins, he knew what the people were thinking, and so he said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Then the Pharisees are antagonistic later on when Jesus is eating with the tax collectors, and they say, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And even the disciples of John are questioning. They don't seem to have the bad motives of the Pharisees, but they did question. They said, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? So it seems to be they're nitpicking a little bit, but maybe they do have a point to their question. And so Jesus gives them a very reasoned answer. He tells them two parables. The first one about sewing a patch on cloth. We know that cloth will shrink when it gets wet, and so you don't want to put unshrunk cloth on a shrunk garment, or then you're going to have things that don't match, and so therefore they will cause worse damage than you had before. And with the wineskins, a wineskin would have been leather or made out of an animal skin, and so it would have some flexibility when it was new. And the wine, when it aged, would expand, and so you need a wineskin that will expand with it. But if you have an old wineskin that's already expanded and now it's ready to crack, and you put new wine in it so that then it ferments and expands, it's going to burst and go all over the place. So you have to match things, match garment with garment, match wineskin with the wine in it. And so he says, fasting, you have to match. There's a right time to fast, and there's a wrong time to fast. Right now is a time of joy, not a time to fast. There will be a time to fast. So for us as well, there may come times in our lives when it's the time to fast. Other times, it's not the time to fast. There isn't a command on a particular day of the year, or month, or week that we should fast. But there are times in our lives when it is appropriate, and we should. And then finally, the Pharisees have this negative reaction when he casts out the demons. They say, by the ruler of demons, he expels the demons. That's a blasphemy, which we read about in other places, that Jesus will confront them about. So, how do we react when we see what Jesus does? And now for a deeper dive. At the end of the chapter, Jesus prays about workers for the harvest. How was that prayer answered? Did God need their prayers to know about the need? And why did he tell them to ask? What is the purpose of prayer for us? Scripture quotations are from the Lexham English Bible, copyright 2012, Logos Bible Software. Lexham is a registered trademark of Logos Bible Software.